The Kutei Sichas, Chelik Yudalit, that's volume 14, the second Sicha for Parshas Ekev. We're going to tr- attempt to cover the entire Sicha, with the exception of perhaps chapter 8 and 9. Before we begin the Sicha, it'd be of value to familiarize ourselves with the Gemara's approach and opinion of the status of women when it comes to studying Torah. We'll start with the Gemara in Saita. There's a Mishnah that says that if there's a case of a Saita and she's, she's going to drink the water, if she has a merit, the merit can actually help in delay the punishment or perhaps even cancel it out totally. In other words, the water won't be effective. And the Gemara asks, what kind of merit are we talking about? And the Gemara concludes that the only merit that can actually work in such a case would be the merit of Torah. But the Gemara challenges it and says, a woman is not obligated to learn Torah. As we know, it says in Gemara Brachis that a woman is not in the obligation of studying Torah. So what is it that gives her this special merit? And the Gemara concludes that the fact that she assists her children, she provides for them, for their, her sons who are obligated, and likewise her husband, who is obligated in the study of Torah, she partakes in the reward that they get from their Torah study, and therefore it can serve for her as a merit. Another concept to familiarize ourselves with is the idea of Eina Mitzuva Ve'oisa. There are certain mitzvahs that a person, although they can do it and they get a reward, but the fact that they're not mitzuva, they're not commanded to do that particular mitzvah, therefore, even though they perform the mitzvah, they don't get this full reward as somebody who is, quote, mitzuva v'oisa, commanded to do so and performs the mitzvah. In this week's parsha, it says, We say it every day in the second chapter of Shema. And it says, You should teach it to your sons. Sometimes when it says, It refers to all your children. But here the Gemara concludes that when it says, It means specifically your sons, not your daughters. And therefore, the Gemara says, a woman is not, quote, not in the mitzvah of learning Torah, b'neichem v'lo b'neiseichem, your sons and not your daughters. The question is, if we look into Hilchas Talmud Torah of the Alter Rebbe, we actually see that the Alter Rebbe says four things regarding the status of the woman in the studying of Torah. The Alter Rebbe says as follows. Number one, a woman is not obligated in the mitzvah of Talmud Torah, of studying Torah. And, number two, since she's not obligated to study Torah, she also doesn't have an obligation to see to it that her son study Torah. And therefore, she's not obligated to provide the cost of his study, and so on. Number three, however, says the Alter Rebbe, if she does assist in her son's study of Torah, or likewise her husband, she partakes in the reward that comes for that mitzvah. And then number four, he says, however, notwithstanding all of this, a woman is obligated to study Torah, to study the mitzvahs that she is obligated in. Since she has to perform the mitzvahs, she needs to know what to do. 
Therefore, she has an obligation to study Torah, at least as far as it concerns her mitzvahs that she's obligated in as a woman. So the Chayira, the question is, if you look at it at first glance, perhaps we can ask the following question. The fact that she, meaning the woman, is obligated to study some Torah, seems to apply to every single woman, right? Whether she has a husband, whether she doesn't have a husband, whether she has sons, whether she doesn't. So why didn't Al-Tarebbe state that first? The order seems to be a little problematic. Moreover, the fact that she partakes in the reward of the study of Torah, of the male members of her family, whether her husband or her children, her sons, that would seem to be only applicable to one who has a husband. That would seem to be only applicable to one who has sons. And if anything, if you think about it, it is not exclusive for a woman. That really goes for anyone who helps another do their mitzvah that they're obligated in, that they partake in the schar, that they partake in the reward. So why does the Al-Tarebbe mention it at all? Not only in this order, but why does he mention it at all in regards to the obligation of the study of the Torah of the woman? So this is basically what the, what the Rebbe discusses in chapter 1. Ois Beis in chapter 2, the Rebbe introduces yet another statement from the Alter Rebbe regarding the woman and the study of Torah. And this is in Hilchois Birchais HaShachar, in the laws of the morning blessings. We know that every morning we have certain blessings that we have to say to thank Hashem for the various uh, things that we have in life, for the various functions that we enjoy as human beings every day when we get up. One of the things we do as we start our day is we make a bracha on the learning of Torah. We have to make that bracha. In fact, one is not allowed to learn Torah just like you're not allowed to do a mitzvah without making the particular bracha for that mitzvah. One is not allowed to learn Torah without making this bracha. So the Alter Rebbe says that women also are obligated to say this bracha. Why? Because they, quote, are obligated to learn them their mitzvahs to know what they are to do, what they're supposed to do, end of quote. So the Al-Tarebbe says that they are in the category, in the status of learning Torah. Later, the Al-Tarebbe adds another reason that since they are obligated to daven, and in davening we say certain portions from the Torah, for example, the portions which speaks about the carbon tomid and the removal of the ashes and so on, since it's words of Torah and you're going to repeat it and it's psukim, therefore, another reason why a woman should be obligated to say these brachas. But first and foremost, he brings the reason, when you, and the rule is usually when you bring it as the first reason, that is the main reason, or perhaps the, the most important reason um, for, for that particular halacha. So the questions are, number one, where is the source? Where is the source in the Gemara for this? that a woman is obligated to study mitzvahs, to study her Torah in order to know her mitzvahs. True, she needs to do the mitzvahs, and true, in order to know what to do for her mitzvahs, she needs to study the halachas, which talk about those mitzvahs, the halachas pertaining to her mitzvahs. But how does that go into the category of limud ha of study of Torah? Number two, in Gemara, in the Gemara, the Gemara says 
that there is a special promise to the women. There's a Pasuk that the Gemara brings from Ishayo, which implies that women have an extra promise from Hashem for the good that will come to them. And the Gemara says, what is the schus that they have? What is that special merit that they have? The women, that is. That is that because they help their children, their sons learn Torah, and their spouses, their husbands, and therefore they have a special schus for which Hashem promises them a special reward in the future, uh, as promised in the, through the Novi Yishayo. But the question is, why didn't the Gemara just answer, according to the Alter Rebbe wrote here, that the women are in the category, in the status of learning Torah. Why didn't the Gemara just say, because they have to learn Torah because of their halachas. So that's the second question. Number three, the Gemara, which we quoted previously, where the Gemara says, that, quote, a woman is not mitzvah va'isa, is not commanded to perform this mitzvah. And therefore, when she performs it, it's not a strong enough, strong enough reward in order to protect her from the waters of Saita. And that's what compelled the Gemara to conclude that the reward of study of Torah that she may have is the one that she helps her children, that she helps her sons and her, and her spouse. Why is it that the Gemara didn't just say, because she does have to study Torah, she is in the category of studying Torah. And number four, if her obligation to study Torah, and therefore her entry into the category, into the status of a Torah learner, is exclusively because she has to know the laws that she is obligated to perform as a woman, then the question would be, why make halacha across the board that all women say this bracha on the study of Torah when perhaps there are certain women that have already studied the laws and maybe they mastered all their halachas and therefore, according to this reasoning, they are no longer obligated. They're no longer in the status of learning Torah because they've already mastered it and they know what to do. There's no obligation to continuously learn over the halachas to know what to do better and better. Once you know what to do, you know what to do. So it would seem that once a woman has mastered her halachas, this status of hers, of being somebody who's obligated in learning Torah, expires. It no longer applies. But yet the Alter Rebbe says across the board that all women are in the category of learning Torah and therefore all women say this bracha. So in chapter 3 and 4, <clears throat> the Rebbe explains this very masterfully. The Rebbe explains the following. We find an interesting concept. There's a Gemara that says that when Hashem speaks about the rules of the Torah, the study of the Torah, the Hashem says, these are the rules, these are the rules that a person should do them and he will live, meaning that he will have good life. But it, when it says, it doesn't say, that the person, the Torah makes a point to mention Adam. Now in general, when it says Adam, man, it's in a generally speaking, it's referring to all human beings, not only exclusively the Bnei Yisrael, not only exclusively the Yidin. And as the Gemara points out there, the Gemara says that it doesn't say in the Pasuk that quote, or some other term that's exclusive for Jewish people. Rather, what does it say? And therefore says the Gemara, that if a guy learns and is involved in the study of Torah, 
True, in the study of Torah that he is allowed to learn, meaning anything that pertains to his obligation that he has as a human being, namely, the Sheva Mitzvah B'nei Noyach, but if he studies Torah, then he is the equivalent of a Koyin Gadol, meaning he is such of such value, he is such great stature in the eyes of Hashem, similar to the Kohen Gadol who goes into the Kodesh HaKadoshah once a year. And in fact, Tesis makes a point to explain the parallel, the comparison between one who studies Torah, even a guy, to one, the Kohen Gadol, the only one, the main one, who goes in to the Kodesh HaKadoshah. True, it doesn't say that he is greater than a Kohen Gadol, which actually is exclusive for a Yid. If a Yid studies Torah, when a Yid is involved in the study of Torah, a Yid actually, it says, is greater even than the Kohen Gadol. But at least you see from this Gemara that there is value to the guy who studies Torah. Even though what is the whole purpose? What is really the whole objective? What is really the whole obligation of a guy to study Torah? In fact, what allows him to study Torah at all? The fact that he is obligated to do his mitzvah, right? To do his mitzvahs. And when he, since he has to do his mitzvahs, he has to know what to do. He has to know how to perform his mitzvahs. And there, here you see that because of that, he now also achieves a certain status within the study of Torah, that when he studies Torah, the, to- the Gemara says that he is the equivalent of a Kohen Gadol who goes in to the Kodesh HaKadoshim. Really, one can ask, if you look at it at first glance, you can say, the title was given to the Eden. It wasn't given to the Goyim. So how does he even achieve any whatsoever status? How does he achieve any whatsoever credit for his study of Torah when he is not even in this category? He is not even part of B'nai Yisrael. So therefore, this has to lead us to conclude that because he is obligated to study some Torah, Namely, the Torah that pertains to his halachas, the Torah that pertains to the knowledge of what he is supposed to do as a human being in the obligations that he has, the Sheva Mitzvah this already puts him into the general category of Limud HaTorah. And therefore, he also has the effect of Limud HaTorah. When he studies Torah, he now is in the ranks of a learner of Torah, even though he's not a Yid, even though he doesn't have the full-fledged merit of a Yid, but he has some merit, enough that the, the, the Gemara is able to point out that, wow, he is on the level of a Kayin Gadol. And the Rebbe actually brings an example for this, where you see that even though something in and itself may not have the full value, but yet it achieves a status, it achieves an important status, and therefore it plays an important role because it is for a purpose of something else that is important, that is an obligation. And he brings the example based on an explanation of the Rogat Shavar Goyen. You see, when a carbon in the Beis Amikdash, when the carbon is slaughtered, after the Shechita, there is Kabbalah Saddam, which is a ritual, which is part of the Avodah. It's one of the steps in the Avodah. Then there is Hoylocha, meaning... It's taking the blood and bringing it to the Mizbeach, bringing it to the altar for purposes of it now to be sprinkled on the altar, which is mandatory and without which the carbon is not a carbon. What happens now 
If while the Koyin is delivering the blood, he is walking with the blood to the Mizbeach, he has a negative thought. And when I say a negative thought, I mean one that is considered to be strong enough to render the carbon unfit. There are certain thoughts that if the Koyin has through at any of the vital points in the process of offering the carbon, that basically turns the carbon into a pustle of carbon, into a carbon that's unfit, and you have to redo the carbon, and this has to get burnt. Why? Because the carbon has now been, so to speak, spiritually sabotaged. And the halacha is that when the koyin is delivering it, if he has a negative thought, if he has a machshavas pigol, then the blood is no longer good, and therefore this car- carbon is rendered unfit. And the question is why? Bringing the blood to the Mizbeach would seem to be only a technical act in order for the blood to come from the spot where they shechted the carbon to come to the Mizbeach in order for what the Koyin to be able to sprinkle on the Mizbeach. You have to deliver the blood. It has to get there somehow. It has to physically come from point A to point B. So how come it's so vital that you can now render the carbon unfit by means of negative thought while you're carrying it? So the Raghat Shavagayim points off on this, that because it becomes part of the process, therefore it, so to speak, joins the status of, and it becomes like equal status to all the other avoiders, all the other points of service that have to be met in order for this carbon to be a carbon. So the Rebbe concludes from this, likewise here. Because the guy has to study his halachas in order to know what to do. In other words, he has to learn some Torah in order to be able to perform his mitzvahs, which he's obligated in. Since he now is obligated to study these halachas, it becomes as if he's also within the general category of a studier of Torah, of one who is in the limud ha-Torah status. And therefore, the Gemara attributes to him such great stature when he does study Torah. And this we can apply now in chapter 5 to the study of Torah of the women. As we said before, the women are obligated to study Torah. They're obligated to study Torah to know the halachas that they are supposed to perform. There are many mitzvahs that they are supposed to do. Right? Any mitzvah that is not governed by its particular time, they're supposed to do. And likewise, other several other mitzvahs, which the Torah specifically points out, and all the mitzvahs leisa say, all the negative commandments. So they're obligated to study Torah to know what to do. So since they have to study Torah, they have to know what to do too. Therefore, just like the guy now enters the ranks of Torah studiers, of the students of Torah, of people who are obligated in Limud HaTorah, she too now also is in the status, and that's why the Alter Rebbe says, the Alter Rebbe says that she too has to make the blessing, has to make the blessing every single morning on the Limud HaTorah. Now we could also understand why the Alter Rebbe put this as the first reason. Because this, remember the question was before, one of the questions we asked, that it would seem that if we say that their only connection to Limud HaToyra, I'm sorry, to the merit of Limud HaToyra, is the fact that they assist their sons and their husbands, in that case, 
This doesn't apply to every single woman, and this doesn't come from her own self. This seems to come only, you know, attributed or through someone else, through a second party. So why would you put that as the first reason? Let's find something. If you're going to give me a reason why a woman is obligated in something, we ask the question, it would seem rational, it would seem logical to give us a reason that really applies to her exclusively to the woman. Says the Al-Tarebbe, this is exclusive to the woman. Because the woman has to know, says the Rebbe, this, this is the reason of the Al-Tarebbe. Because the woman has to know what to do. The woman has to know how to perform her mitzvahs. Therefore, she has entered, she is now part of the general chiyuv, the general chiyuv and schus of limud hatayda. And therefore, she has to make the bracha every morning. Because, and this comes from her, because she is the one who's obligated in her mitzvahs, so she is the one who's obligated to learn about her mitzvahs, so she is the one who is also part of this concept of Torah study. However, some questions that we asked before still remain hanging. They still are not fully answered, or some of them actually are not answered at all. And this is where the Rebbe comes in chapter 6, where the Rebbe says, that conclusion that a woman is also in the general category of Torah study. In other words, she could also be counted in the ranks of those who study Torah or perhaps even obligated to study Torah because there is some obligation. But yet she is not, so to speak, a full-fledged obligated party of the Torah, of the mitzvah of studying Torah. In other words, it's not yet a full-fledged thing. And here comes the idea of mitzvah ve'oisa versus enoi mitzvah ve'oisa. One who's commanded and performs a mitzvah versus one who is not commanded and performs a mitzvah. True, she has to study Torah. And this is similar to the guy. What do we find by the guy? The guy has to also study Torah. Just technically, he cannot go about doing his mitzvahs without having the basic knowledge. But yet... Even though he has to study Torah, he doesn't get the reward allotted to one for the exclusive mitzvah of Talmud Torah, the mitzvah of learning Torah, the mitzvah of being obligated in Talmud Torah exclusively as a thing of itself. Rather, since she has to do it, in, he has to do it, and likewise the woman, in order to know, to perform their mitzvahs, so they're also in the category of, of, of Torah, but they're not a full-fledged recipient of the schar, of the reward of the mitzvah of learning Torah, as a mitzvah in itself, as exclusively Talmud Torah. You know, if you think about it, almost they're like an auxiliary member of the of the ranks of those who study Torah. Auxiliary member, but not a full-fledged, active, sworn member, so to speak. And this will help us better understand the order how the Alter Rebbe brings it in Hilkas Talmud Torah. You see, as far as the reward for the woman's study of Torah, we compared it to the reward that a guy gets, which is not the reward that your average male yid gets for the study of Torah. Why? Because they're not obligated. They're not commanded to do so. It's just a technical thing. However, in the reward that she does get, the reward that she secures for herself, the reward of what? The reward of Talmud Torah, the reward of study of Torah. 
that she secures for herself when by the assistance that she gives to her sons and her husbands so they can learn Torah, they get the full reward because they are obligated to get Torah and they're full-fledged members of this category of Talmud Torah of study Torah. Now that she helps them, now that she assists them and makes it possible for them to give to for them to learn Torah, obviously she's getting a reward of Talmud Torah. And that's why when the Alter Rebbe and Hilchas Talmud Torah, when he's talking about the mitzvah of Talmud Torah, not the mitzvah of making a bracha on the learning of Torah, but the actual mitzvah of Talmud Torah and its reward, that's why he brings this in the beginning. He brings this first as her, so to speak, claim to fame, her claim to the reward in the mitzvah of learning Torah versus in the halachas of the making the bracha. True, the Rebbe suggests a question that could be asked. Do we find anywhere that somebody should partake in someone else's mitzvah by being some kind of accessory? For example, if I gave money to a poor person and that poor person went out and let's say bought an esrik and did the mitzvah of esrik and lulav on sukkahs, do I get the reward or do I share the reward with him in his mitzvah of Esrig and Lulav? Absolutely not. I got the reward of tzedakah. I helped a poor person. But why here do we, is the Rebbe suggesting, why here we're making the argument that the woman partakes in it, although she's not part of the mitzvah, but she partakes in it because she assists them. She provides whatever they need in order for them to be able to study Torah. The answer is it's different. When I give a poor person money, it becomes his. Now that he performs a mitzvah, he's performing a mitzvah from his own money. The fact that I've given him already has no part of that mitzvah. Versus the woman who's helping her sons or her husband to study Torah. Without her help, they would not be able to study Torah. Without her assistance, they would not do their mitzvah. And therefore she does absolutely partake in their mitzvah. And the Rebbe brings an example for it. We know that according to the Torah, a woman is not obligated. She doesn't have an obligation to perform the mitzvah of pruvu, of having children. Of course, a woman wants to have children, but she's not obligated. Who has the obligation? It's the man who has the obligation to see to it that he gets married and he has a family and he has children. However, it's obvious that a man cannot do the mitzvah without a woman. Himself, he cannot do the mitzvah. And therefore, it says that the woman, although she's not obligated, she doesn't have a chiyuv from the Torah, but still the fact that she gets married and the fact that she has children, she partakes in the schar and the reward of the mitzvah of her husband. Why? Because without her, it wouldn't happen. And the Rebbe concludes likewise here. Because without her help, Without her material support, without her assistance, her sons and her husband would not be able to perform their mitzvah. Therefore, she becomes a partner in their reward. And that explains why the Al-Tarebbe wrote it in that order. We're going to jump over to chapter 10. In chapter 10, the Rebbe concludes how this applies to each and every yid in our relationship as, quote-unquote, the wife of Hashem. We know that Hashem is the ish, is, so to speak, the husband, the man, and we are, Knesset Yisrael, we're compared to, we consider the woman. We know that when a Yid does, uh, uh, fulfills his role in what he was put here for, you know, in making a Dira Lo Yisbarich, in making the world 
a place for Hashem and bringing Torah and mitzvahs and ruchnis into the world, it says that the Yid becomes a partner with Hashem. What does this mean? What does this mean? The answer is as follows. Really, where do we get the koyach? Where do we even have the ability to quote-unquote conquer the world? To take Gashmias, to take the material world, the lowly world, and transform it into something spiritual. And to transform it into something special, something that belongs to Hashem. That really comes from Hashem. That really, the koyach for that, the potential for that comes exclusively from Hashem. So how do we, how do we have the ability to do it? Because we, so to speak, partner with Hashem. Hashem gave us the opportunity to implement it for Him. And this is the special beautiful schus that we, since we are helping Him, since we are, so to speak, providing the actual boots on the ground, if I may, to do what Hashem wants, what really Hashem can do on His own. But so to speak, He put Himself in a position that He's not doing it on His own. He gives it to us to do. So we have the special merit. We have this wonderful schus of being His partners, like the woman who becomes the partner to her husband and to her sons in their study of Torah. And we get the special wonderful schar.